So, dude, I did a I did a sales call, yeah, a, a biz dev call yesterday with a company that everybody's heard of, I'm sure, and I think it went really well. I, I showed them how Fathom works; they loved it. I showed them all the features; they loved all the features. We talked about what was coming in the future. They're really happy about all of the things that we're doing with events in the API. And you know what the you know what the guy said to me after the call? He was like, "I don't think you guys charge enough for us." And what he meant by that was it would probably be about six to eight weeks of signing documents and going through legal things and and vendor portal things. And once again, and we talked about this on the show, maybe it was last year, maybe it was a year and a half ago, where um, huge enterprise customers may not be the best fit for Fathom. And I don't think that is a bad thing. And this is kind of what I want to talk to you about in today's episode. So it's funny with enterprises, it makes you think, should we, and we've talked about this, should we just have a plan like Tuple does, where we charge $10,000 a year, and that just covers any legal and compliance stuff. And then we, then we just charge the Fathom plan on top. Now, the reason I don't like that is because how much money will we make on that enterprise cost? And I guess it, the plans aren't big enough to actually justify it. I'd much, so say for example, without saying the name, we were charging a few hundred dollars. So say $400, let's just use $400 a month as an example. We could get, what is that? About 20, no, more than 20, about 30 regular customers on the $14 a month plan. And then boom, we're done. And then we haven't got to worry about all this, you know, SOC 2 compliance and everything else. And what was it? The master service agreement? Was that what it was? Mm -hmm. All that stuff? We haven't got to worry about that stuff. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing, right? Like I was thinking about that. And I, like I would love to, the, the company that I spoke to yesterday would be an amazing customer. Like their logo on our homepage would be, yeah. oh my God, that would be awesome. But like, do you want to deal with all of the compliance required and the documentation and the legalese and the back end? Like I don't want, like that to me doesn't sound like how I want to spend my day. And someone said that if we, if we, if we were to get SOC 2 compliance, that we're looking at between thirty and fifty thousand dollars, maybe a little bit less, but that's the kind of price range we're talking about. In addition to all the work we have to do, mm-hmm. and in terms of uh, penetration um, testing reports, that's completely okay. Penetration testing is something everyone should do. That's mm-hmm. cool. But having to have our lawyer look at contracts every single time we sign someone—that's immediately what we're looking at a thousand plus dollars for contract review. Maybe maybe less than a thousand dollars US, but yeah all these things to think about. And then we'd have to, to actually offer these services to enterprise, we would have to put together a uh, intentional plan that's aimed at them. Right now, we haven't got that. And that's why I think we're having problems with these customers. Yeah, because it would be great. In theory, it would be great to have them and it would have been great to um, land the customer. And who knows, we still might. It's, it's still in, in, in talks as, as, as far as things go. But I also think that as a business, it makes sense to kind of think about, okay, well, who are the people who are using 
Fathom right now? Because there are a lot of people using Fathom right now. And what are the types of customers that we that we want to get? Like, who are the customers that benefit the most with us having to do the right amount of work to both land them and to keep them happy? And I think we have actually been doing a pretty good job in that area with some of the customers that we have. And you and I, and this is kind of what we're talking about today, you and I were going back and forth yesterday in terms of writing a new... So first we started to think, I guess this is the timeline. First we started to think about, okay, well, what are we doing and how does that affect our pricing on the higher plans that we have, right? And then two, okay, how do we market the pricing that we have for these higher plans to the right types of customers that we want to get? So we're working, Jack and I are now working on a page for, what is it, like high volume, high traffic customers, yeah, where the pricing actually goes up and you need to understand why you're paying for what you're paying for. The primary concern that I had, when someone's shopping around for a product, they're going to look at other options available. I never want us to be in a position where they have Fathom side by side with another company and we know we know the behind the scenes of that company and we know that they are unstable, lots of downtime, uh, just low quality, cheap product. We know that, but the customers don't. And a big part of it, and I feel responsible for this, a big part of it is customer education. We can't have someone say, oh, this this looks the same. We need to be saying, look, we spend a ton on infrastructure because we actually care about your analytics. If you go with Fathom, we're not going to be going down 20 times in six months. Or I forget what it was. I have, have notes <laughs> on it. But it's that kind of thing. We have to educate our customer. And so as you get into the higher plans, you're spending more money. You're always going to be shopping around. If someone wants to leave Fathom for a cheaper price, I'm completely okay with that. We're not a budget company. If someone wants to eat McDonald's and they don't want to go to a, a proper burger place, sorry, it is not vegan friendly. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it could be. Uh, a ve- I mean, they have vegan, vegan options burgers. at McDonald's in some countries now, I think. Well, there you go. So you go to a proper restaurant or you go to McDonald's. The proper restaurant isn't going to lose sleep over people going to McDonald's. It's a different consumer. I don't, I won't go to McDonald's because it's absolutely rubbish food. But in Canada, we have a place called Five Guys and you'll pay more money, but it's better quality food. So I think with Fathom, we are spending more money and providing a better quality service. And we have to show people how we're doing that so they can make an informed decision. Else we're not doing our job. Marketing aside, if people aren't educated, we're not doing our job. Yeah, well, that's what marketing is, I think, is education. And I think that, (laughs) I mean, that makes sense sense to me. I said it and then I was like, do I believe what I said? And I was like, yeah, No, no, for sure. Yeah. But I think that that that's a good point, right? Is that you don't have to, it's not a race to the bottom. It's not just a, a competition on price. There are definitely, there's... That can definitely happen sometimes, but I don't think you and I want that with Fathom. With, commodi- with commodities. The work yeah. we do is not... Like, say, for example, you're in uh, web hosting. So you have DigitalOcean, AWS, uh, CloudFront. They're all competing on commodities and they're all racing to the bottom in terms of pricing and not on every aspect. But let's, let's think about just cloud hosting, for example, cloud servers. Mm-hmm. DigitalOcean, $5 a month. EC2, $3 a month. I'd never want to be playing in that area unless I had billions of dollars or or hundreds of millions of dollars of backing yeah we're not doing that yeah i think it makes sense for the type of company that we want to be running to go after the type of customers and to go after the the part of the market that we're going after 
even though it would be cool to sign on all of these enterprise customers and spend, like we would have to do, I think what, what Ben did at Tupa was he hired an enterprise salesperson and a team to be able to deal with all, and then charge accordingly, obviously, to deal with uh, the weeks. Because like talking to, to the fellow yesterday, is like, oh, it was about six weeks to onboard our last vendor. Wow. And he was like, well, what, what's your process on your end? I'm like, well, <laughs> actually, it is two steps. You enter yeah. your payment details and you pick your plan. Yeah, I'm not. That, <laughs> if we're making tons of money off of it. But again, imagine that we do have enterprise. We make tons of money off of a certain plan. This is deja vu because we've said about this. Mm-hmm. We are then in a position where someone is worth more on, on the book than another customer. And we've said before, we don't ever want to be in that position because mentally you're thinking, oh, this person's asking for this feature. These people have asked for this. You immediately have this hierarchy. Yeah. And we need to avoid doing that, I think. And I don't know if I want the stress of enterprise customers. Yeah. I was speaking with someone recently and they have enterprise customers and they're, well, okay, I've got to be careful what I'm yeah. saying here. They're not all like this, but if an enterprise is paying a significant amount of money, they're going to have high expectations and they can, oh, it's tricky, I can't, I was going to say that they're ruder than your typical, your smaller customer, smaller business. I don't think that's fair to say, actually. I'm going to no. uh, circle back on that. Yeah, I think because we do, and the thing is too, right? Like we do have some enterprise customers. We do have some big name and they're customers. Not, they're not rude either. <laughs> no, not at all. And they yeah. also, and I think it works for, and I think that's the thing, right? Like it works for some, like the enterprise customers who are okay with just signing up for an account, not putting us through any kind of like vendor compliance things, then yeah, obviously like great to, great to have you on board kind of thing. Yeah. But they pay the same price as, ever, as anybody else for that level of plan. And I think where Fathom is at now, I like the diversification we have in terms of like the volume of customers all paying us in the same kind of range because our plans are our plans. You don't pay more for anything. You just pay yeah. more for, for page views and and that. So I kind of like that where all of our customers are basically treated and considered equal and there's a great volume of them where if we lose a customer then obviously that sucks but it's not like I don't notice it in our in our MRR right away because or or at all I guess because it's like it's not the it's not one customer wouldn't like take our MRR down by 10% or 20% or 50%. Oh, no. Our churn's tiny as well. Yeah. We're, we're very lucky in that regard. Yeah. So, and this, the reason that pricing came up, obviously, Justin Jackson has been tweeting a lot about enterprise pricing, meetings, that kind of thing. So, I was having a few discussions on Twitter. But it's also about our costs. And we were actually talking, if you remember, for, for your timeline, we were talking about unlimited sites versus limited sites. And I think I'm happy to talk about this publicly if you are. Mm-hmm, about our yeah. Whole thought. Yeah. So, we started off with unlimited sites. It's always been unlimited sites with Fathom. As we get closer to launching this API, we started thinking, well, what happens if we have someone who sets up a product on top of Fathom and has 1 million sites and is selling Fathom to people and it just it kind of interferes with our main business? And we never want that to happen. And we, we kind of went back and forth on that. We limited the sites. We did this and that. And then we actually just went to, look, if people want to use Fathom. And say, for example, someone has 100,000 customers, they want to use Fathom for all of them, provide that service. I think we we haven't put this publicly, but the trade-off is that we would like some kind of attribution 
as a small business, if we're going to be giving, uh, you know, leaving money on the table, which is great, it would be great if we could have some kind of attribution so that if you're using our API to surface stats, if you could chuck in powered by Fathom Analytics just to help our brand grow. And I think we've obviously got to refine that. And this is us talking on air about ideas. Mm -hmm. That would just be a nice thing to have. And it just feels like, you know what? Yeah, have as many sites as you want. You know, we're happy with that. Just let's have a little bit of a two way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, gu I guess it's if you're selling. And if you're selling our analytics to your customers or that, then it would probably make sense that there's some kind of attribution. Yeah, I just think that'll be fair. It doesn't have to be money. So one of the things that we talked about and actually told one person who asked was, we're going to charge $14 per 60 sites. And then it came back to, it doesn't have to be about money. Mm -hmm. A lot of people might be starting off with a product and they might be growing and they might not be making that much money per customer. Let's just make this fair. So I think that we've come to a really good solution. And ultimately, we are going to charge more where it costs us more, which mm -hmm. is page views, uptime monitoring, maybe emails. I doubt email reports will cost us more because Postmark is very reasonably priced. Um, and so, yeah, if it costs us more, we're going to charge more. If it doesn't, then we're going to find a way to, to work with you. But as, as we've said in our new terms, you cannot start a company called what was it? Platypus Analytics? Is yeah. that the term? Yes. You can't start a company called Platypus Analytics and start basically offering analytics as a product using Fathom to back your service. Yeah, you can't compete with Fathom using Fathom. I yeah, got, like, got that's such a random edge case. Like, I can't see. And that's kind of where we've been thinking is like, okay, well, what are the, what are the stand, especially for like API stuff, like what are the standard use cases going to be? And then what are the edge cases going to be that could potentially end up costing us like a ton of money or a ton of resources? Well, I guess that's a ton of money. <laughs> Same thing. Um, yeah. And just kind of thinking through that and, and it's, yeah, it's been interesting. And as well, I guess you can talk about this as we've been looking at, okay, what can we do as far as our architecture to, if, if we are competing in, okay, this is the best of class product, then what are some of the things we can do with our data and infrastructure and, and scale and technology to make it truly best in class and to make it so that, and you can talk more about this and the refactoring stuff, but to make it so that it is as efficient as possible, both in, ter both in terms of like, what it costs us as a company to maintain and run, which is is a lot. And also in terms of like, okay, if somebody does want to add a thousand sites to, to their account, or they do want to run um, certain queries uh, on the API when that comes out, then what can we do to make sure that that is a as good as possible? So you've been working a lot this week on on data, your, fa your favorite thing. Yeah, I, honestly, I joke that I'm becoming a DBA and just learning all this stuff about databases. I, I kind of pushed back on it and just said, I don't want to learn all of this stuff. As I'm learning more of it, I, I do like it because it just means that we can grow uh, better and better. So yeah, sites cost us absolutely nothing. Sites are stored in memory. We have a cache lookup, but that runs no matter, you know, it doesn't matter how many sites you have. If we were to limit sites, we would be putting an artificial limit on it to try and increase our revenue. That, that's the blunt way of putting it, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. When it comes down to things like page views, we do not get a discount on page views. I mean, sure, as we scale up our main da analytics database, 
we don't really have a per page view cost to store it. So we don't actually factor this into the pricing. This is a fixed cost. And I don't think this will change in the future. I think we have enough volume that we can have a fixed size database and single store scales like nothing I've ever seen before. So I'm not too concerned about that. What I am concerned about is we use highly available managed um, DynamoDB. So for all the nerds who might have heard of it, DynamoDB, it's highly available, meaning it's just spread across all these different servers. So if one server goes down, it's still there. It's managed by Amazon and it's used for all their tier one products. So amazon.com and any revenue generating products, they will all use DynamoDB. So we're using that. And what we're, what we're switching to is that if single store goes offline, so imagine it's during a maintenance period, maintenance can go wrong, things can happen, or there could just be an outage. Hmm. And, and single store is highly available, but things can happen, right? So let's just pretend like it's gone offline, worst case scenario. What happens then? So what we're going to be building, and this is what we're working on right now, is if single store, our main analytics database and a database for everything, you know, users, uh, everything, if that goes offline, the dashboard will go offline. However, the page view collection will not because the page view collection will be running on this just supreme high uptime DynamoDB. And I don't want to minimize single store. Single store hasn't gone offline since we moved to it in March. Yeah, yeah. But I, we have to plan. Again, we're a premium service. We have to plan for the, these things that happen. Imagine if you're running a, some sort of, imagine you launch a product or imagine that you're running an advertising campaign and imagine that your analytics provider goes offline because they're, they're budget and you're paying $6 a month or $5 a month, whatever. That, that would suck. That would yeah. absolutely suck. So we just have to put in the effort and invest in the best possible infrastructure so that we're ready for when things go wrong and you're not going to lose your page views yeah i mean the the contingency planning i think is is a huge part of a premium offering is if something goes wrong then here's how you are covered if this goes wrong then here's how you are covered so i think the the fact that our database can go offline and page views still get tracked is uh, is amazing and I guess, so the reason this ties into, and it is, yeah, the reason that this ties into cost is because we, with DynamoDB, we're not using provisioned, we're actually using on-demand. And on-demand has effectively, I mean, there's obviously some soft limits that you can get increased, but it effectively has unlimited throughput. So it means that if we've got multiple customers going viral, no problem, we'll mm. handle it. Don't worry about it. We use SQS, which is a queue system. Again, because it's highly available and distributed, that costs us more money. We're not just using a sort of $100 Redis cluster that just sits. And some people might. I'm not. But if you're doing something like analytics, you really have to take this, thing, this stuff seriously. We use SQS because it's highly available. Again, the page views go in there. If single store went offline, all that happens is the page views just sit in there ready to be inserted. Yeah. And all the processing done in DynamoDB and Lambda. It's yeah. huge. And Lambda's highly available too. Lambda is running across multiple availability zones. And so is SQS and so is DynamoDB. <laughs> so our infrastructure becomes this beautifully like, highly available setup. It's what you need in analytics. So when someone sees $14 versus, say, $5, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. And, and especially at the higher prices too. We charge more because of this, 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 and this. And we explain the value. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm so hyped about this, and that's what I think has been missing from um, how we talk about Fathom on the website is that we haven't done the best job at explaining the differences. Because if people say, no. "Oh, well, Fathom's the same as this," it's like, 
then, no, then that's, no. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, but that's on us, not on them. Agreed. Right. Yeah. So I think, and I think the final point there outside of the technology is, is our investment in compliance and law where oh, yeah. we've gone out and found and hired and paid the best um, legal minds and compliance minds in the world to ensure that we don't just say that we're like GDPR, CPPA, or, or any of that compliant. We've actually done the work and gone through um, everything to make sure that if we say like, hey, you don't need a cookie notice if all you're using is Fathom for, for third-party scripts on your website, then we actually mean that, um, which I'm pretty happy about. <laughs> we've, we've honestly, we have... We have one competitor who positions against us based on his interpretation of the law. He hasn't had lawyers review this. It's just yeah. his interpretation. He's completely wrong. And it's just spend the money on lawyers. Yeah. You know, you need to spend the money on lawyers. Not everyone has, a, not everyone likes lawyers, but lawyers are great. They'll give you some fantastic information. And typically you want to get a few lawyers and, a, and an amazing prof- privacy officer named Ree. Yeah, I mean, that, that also helps. <laughs> yes, Rhea's been incredible. So, yeah, we've just been thinking on and off about pricing and we want to keep more value on the table and then we want to be clear about what that value is. If And as Paul just said, if you're not being clear about the value, that's on you, that's not on your customers. Yeah. If I see someone tweet about using X over Fathom, I, am, I can't think, why on earth would you do that? It comes down to us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We'll yeah, we'll we'll have a new page for yeah. We are working on it. We'll have a new high traffic page, um, pretty soon. I think I don't know when exactly, but pretty soon. I think it's mostly it's like partially written. The diagram is almost done. We just have to note some of the technical details on the page, and then I have to actually design it. <laughs> but I, yeah, I have yeah. a database migration today. So once I'm done with that, we're actually laying the groundwork for the Fathom update. Can we get a jingle? Fathom update. We are working on getting the API finished after this migration, and then it's on to event properties. We haven't got ETAs, but it's fair to say the aim is next month. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, I would be very, very surprised if we're not launched next month. I, I'm not going to say it's impossible, because things can happen, things can come up, but I'd be very surprised if we haven't launched by next month. Awesome. All right, let's get back to work. <laughs>